what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan. Chris is sitting right across from me, looking very dapper today, I might add. Hey. As we're settled here into the, the latest version of the Mesh Studio, I do like this. I mean, the acoustics seem a little better. It's a little more intimate. I don't know. It just feels it's nice. Cool. feels like we can have a very, very intelligent conversation about films in go. such a nice studio It's a new room. era. New era. So welcome to Foot Candle Films. This is our show on the TV, where we talk about films and movies, as you can probably imagine. Every episode we get together, which is about twice a month, we will review one, two, or three movies and have a discussion about those films. We'll lead into some movie-related news that we want to pick apart and talk about and dissect. And then we always end up the episode with our recommendation of the show. That is a film that you would either be able to find online or maybe through some other channels. And we really think you ought to either check out or maybe catch back up on if it's one from the past that you may have forgotten about. So, Chris, we do have a couple of films to talk about today, correct? Yes. Uh, we have the uh, latest, I don't even know what kind of movie to call it, Hardcore Henry <laughs> action movie. We're going to hear your take on sure. it in just a little bit. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. But we're going to start off first with a review of a film called The Lady in the Van. So we've got two reviews to go through, and then we'll move on to our news, and then we'll do our recommendations. Kind of sticking to the formula here. Don't mess with the formula. The formula works. That's right. Absolutely. Great. Well, here we go. We're going to go into our first review. It is Maggie Smith starring in the latest uh, real-life biography drama called The Lady in the Van. You're not St. John, are you? St. John who? The disciple of Jesus, love. No, the name's Benny. Last year, she was in Gloucester Avenue. Now it's our turn. Were you planning on staying long? Put the van in your drive. Just till you sort yourself out. Merry Christmas! Shut the door! I'm a busy woman! You mentioned Maggie Smith. She's yes. a well-known actress. Yes. Let's just give a brief overview of her career. Mm-hmm. Not the whole career, but just kind of hit some highlights. Sure. So in 1992, Sister Act, she played a cranky mother superior. Oh, that's right. She did. I forgot about that. I forgot she was the, she was the main sister in Sister Act. Yes. Yeah, okay. Gosford Park, 2001, right. she played a bitter old rich lady. <laughs> yes. Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, 2011, she played a bitter retired lady. Yes. Okay. Uh, Downton Abbey, she plays a bitter countess of Countess of Grantham or something like that. that I've never correct. seen the show, but I hear that. The- You've never seen Downton oh, Abbey? Oh, wait. Harry Potter, that's right. I skipped completely skipped over those eight films. <laughs> she stepped outside her comfort zone. She plays a Hogwarts professor that does magic. Oh, wait. But she's kind of bitter and a little cranky. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I think I see where you're going let's, with this. Uh, let's, yeah. let's get to the film we were going to review. It. Lady in the Van. She plays a lady in a van yep. who's... Kind of cranky, bitter, a little old. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan, coming to this film, should people expect something else from Miss Maggie Smith, or what's your what's your overall take on this film? So, the lady in the van. Um, I went in with fairly low expectations. Uh, I will say the film is a little bit better than I expected. Okay. Is, I that, is that also what we can see for the quote on the DVD? <laughs> no, the quote on the, a on the bit box better is, than I no, actually, it's, it's not as bad as you might have thought. <laughs> okay. So that's a perfect quote. No, it, it's, um, I really just assumed this was going to be very predictable, very contrived, very much a typical Maggie Smith performance. And I will say the Maggie Smith performance was a typical Maggie Smith performance. Okay. Just because she's performing, Not that it's a bad performance. No, it's just what she has got this kind of character down pat. It's just it is basically the same character except they just have her dressed in rags this time, and saying things that are a little more outlandish than maybe her other characters might have said in other films. Okay. But it's still, yes, she's bitter, she's cranky, she's sarcastic, 
she has a catty comment to make about everything, which is most of her characters that she's played in other films. I will say I think this film was elevated a little bit for me because of everything that was not Maggie Smith. Okay. I think the conceit of the film, and just as a little background, uh, the more telling part of the story is, you know, yes, the lady in the van, a woman lives out of a van. She parks her car in front of, or the van in front of different houses on this one street. And they kind of have a little bit of a game about it to figure out which house she's going to be parked in front of for a few days next. As it turns out, she basically gets forced off the street where she has to park at a domicile somewhere. And she meets one of the neighbors on the, on the street, uh, played by Alex Jennings, who plays Alan Bennett, who is the real life person who this actually happened to and wrote a book and a play about this experience. He is a playwright. He's I mean, a playwright. So, um, she parks her van in the driveway of, of Mr. Jennings and they basically, she's there for 15 years and the relationship between them, as well as what he learns more and more about her as he goes along. This could have been over the top sappy sentimental. And it had a few moments where it got really darn close, but I, I at least admired the film for not going overboard with the sentimentality and the sappiness of it. Secondly, I do think that the character Alex Jennings, who I know is a real life person, so it's kind of hard to say it's a character, but I really was more fascinated by him in the film. They use a certain conceit throughout the film that it's hit or miss the way it was used, but basically he has multiple parts of his personality that he talks to throughout the film. And it's shown as multiple copies. There's two of him in a lot of the scenes inside the house. I thought that conceit was really interesting. I almost don't think they went far enough with it. But those kind of elements help the film elevate a little bit beyond what I expected it to be going in. So I will, I will say I give the film a pass. I think it was fine. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> it could have been really over the top sentimental and sappy, especially towards the end. And I think they did a good job of keeping it fairly under control. Um, is it one I'm going to rush out and see again? No. But it was Maggie Smith's performance anything really daring compared to what she normally does? Not really. But I thought the film was fine. <laughs> how's that for a how's that for a ringing endorsement of a review, Chris? I've been I've already predicted your response on this film. So please <laughs> sock it to me. Let me know how well I know you as a human being, and tell me what you think of this film. Oh, well, you know, going into this film, I had low expectations. I mean, mm -hmm. just the title, "Lady in the Van," um, just. Didn't have me excited. Didn't really care. I like Maggie Smith as an actress. Okay. I think she's good. But knowing that I didn't feel like she was going to step outside of her comfort zone in this movie, I just really didn't care. Mm -hmm. If And I thought, ostensibly, the movie was going to either be a kind of a document, not a documentary, but a biography about this crazy lady in the van, mm -hmm. which I thought that sounded dumb, or it was going to be a biography movie about this playwright, which mm -hmm. I don't really care about. Right. So. Going in, I thought, I'm not going to care about either one of these people. Now, that being said, you mentioned the conceit, kind of the structure device they mm -hmm. had, the storytelling device of basically they had writer Alan Bennett, and mm -hmm. then they had, I forgot what he called him, like living Alan. Yeah, living. Like yeah, the living yeah. Alan Bennett who'd have to go to the grocery store or go mm -hmm. outside and check the mail. Like that was living Alan Bennett, and it was like working writer Alan Bennett. Who, and he would see himself, and he would talk to himself, and all that. And you add on top of that the layer that they're actively letting you know throughout the film that they are embellishing the story as yes. they're writing the story. So it's a little bit of a meta commentary Break, breaking on, the fourth wall. Yeah, and sometimes, little. sometimes one of the Bennett's will say something, and then he'll stop and look at the camera and say, "Well, I didn't actually go that yeah. far. I didn't." Or they would say he would that. actually say to himself, "She didn't really say it that right. way." So it's like you're getting the impression that they're building a story as they go. Anyway, continue. Those that device and the breaking the fourth wall took me completely by surprise mm -hmm. and made this movie so much better than I thought it was going to be. Good. Made it, made it watchable and made my eye rolling significantly less. I, I'm with you on that. Now, I, I think there, the conceit was good. Is there a freewheeling wheelchair scene down a, the hill in the neighborhood that made me roll my eyes? Well, yes, but overall I liked this movie. It was good. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I wasn't expecting was that there was a parallel that the, Bennett character, the writer, drew in his life about his mother who was mm -hmm. aging and needed to go live in a retirement home or a rest home because she was having bad memory problems. And he constantly kind of compares and contrasts this lady who's living in a van mm -hmm. and his mother. Yeah. And it's also 
interesting to me how a lot of times with both figures, actually, both the lady in the van, who's Miss Shepard, supposedly was her name, mm-hmm. and the playwright, they try to, they usually put either one or the the person in the movie up on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, you know, there's never anything wrong with them. They're just, oh, look at how awesome this person is. I never knew about this person. Isn't it really edifying to learn what an awesome, cool person this was? Lady in the van, Miss Shepard, she has some things that she's done mm-hmm. that are kind of interesting. And she doesn't ex- she basically has faults, as yeah. all humans do. And then even more so, the writer doesn't really paint a flattering picture of himself no. in many different ways. Absolutely. And I was not expecting that either. Yeah. Um, so, again, kind of more than meets the eye. This isn't a Transformers movie, but more than meets the eye in the fact that it's not your typical puff piece, your yes. typical feel-good movie. That's And, it, you know, it even kind of, there again, like you say, it kind of winks towards the camera. It is based on a true story. Mm. And at the beginning, they throw up a title card that says, mostly, mostly true. This is mostly, mostly true. true. Or so they kind of, you yeah. know, they wink and mm-hmm. say, Hey, yeah, right. We made some stuff up, which <laughs> I, I, you know, if you make a biography film and you tell me right up front, we've embellished some things. This is not a hundred percent factual, or you even acknowledge that throughout the film, like this film did. Right. I have no problem with that. It's when, you know, I still remember one of our very, very first foot candle screenings back when it was like six people. We would watch the film with years ago. Right. And it was the, um, uh, talk to me, mm-hmm. the film about the uh, DJ uh, back in the seventies, I believe, or early eighties. Right, and I enjoyed the film until I found out afterwards that half of it was made up for the movie. <laughs> that right. half of it never happened in his real life, even though it was portrayed to be a biography film, and that really upsets me. So you got to acknowledge it. Tell me that you're embellishing, and I think they did a really good, clever job of doing that with this film. It sounds like you were on the same page. I think you started out with lower expectations going in this film than I did. Mm-hmm. And you actually exceeded those expectations a little more than, than I did. So I went in with a little more tempered expectations and I thought it was better than what I expected, but I wasn't blown away by the film, Sure, but I'm with you. The, 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 the conceit, the way they handled the Alan, uh, the uh, Alex Jennings character, the main uh, playwright character now, and the breaking Alan the fourth Bennett wall is the, is the character named Alex Jennings is the guy. Um, I knew I was going to get, because yeah, they're so close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alan Bennett is the playwright played right. by Alex Jennings. Okay. Right. Right. Um, I like the way they handled his character a lot. I like the way they handled the very end of the film, uh, which was a neat little kind of interesting shot. They had where the, um, you get to see the real life. You see the real life, uh, Alan, Alan Bennett, Bennett appear right. in a kind of a clever, again, breaking the fourth wall shot, mm-hmm. which ended the film. And, and, you know, uh, there's a scene at the end, again, not going into spoilers, but there's a scene the last time we see the lady in the van, the scene that happens that could have been really, it was a played for a little bit over, over sentimentality to it, but it was also kind of funny because of, again, the whole conceit that they're playing up this whole film, that they are making up this story, embellishing the story a little bit as they go. That ending was almost like, well, yes, we want to have this big kind of triumphant ending to this film and here's the way to do it. And it's all in their head. Sure. You know that. And so that that all worked for me. It all worked again. Maggie Smith was fine. She was fine. She is a good actress, but again, there's just not a lot different in her performance in the last 10 years. So that'll be the other quote. Maggie Smith is fine. She's fine. You know, (laughs) she's, if you like Maggie Smith, if you loved her character in Downton Abbey, you will absolutely love her performance in this film. If you like that kind of witty, just kind of all over the comments she makes back to people, the catty comments, you will love this film because that's what she does the whole film. Right. There's a little bit more depth to it because of the character she's playing and the backstory of the character. Um, this movie does have enough going on that it's worth checking out, but um, I think it helps to go in with very low expectations. What did you think of there were two cameos in this film that kind of took me – by surprise, because I didn't really understand a why they were there, mm-hmm. and then maybe b why they just didn't. If the part was crucial to the story, why they just didn't have some random person playing it? Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of distracting to me that these actors are doing it. Jim Broadbent mm-hmm. plays kind of a. You don't really know what his role is until the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. but he um, plays a guy who kind of keeps haggling Miss yeah. Shepard, and but he's just in there very briefly. But to have such a he has big like two or three short scenes, right? Yeah. But to have such a big actor doing that, I was kind well, of. I think that's curious. because in Jim Broadbent, Jim Broadbent's acting contract, I believe, in life, <laughs> it does say that if there is a British production 
that has any prestige level to it whatsoever, he is guaranteed He's got to be in it. Yeah. He's got to somehow <laughs> have something. <laughs> because, I mean, we had Brooklyn last month that we reviewed, and mm-hmm. sure enough, he had a small but influential part in that film. And he had a few more lines than he did in this film True. in Brooklyn, but not many. I don't know. I think that's just – I think that's that's your go-to guy. He's becoming the Nicolas Cage for British films. It's like nice. we need somebody to play this part in this film called Nicolas Cage. Yes, I'll do it. And he signed up and going. So The other one that kind of – and this was one quick scene. He had maybe two lines. Mm-hmm. James Corden is kind of a shopkeeper in yeah. an open-air market that she goes to, and he basically insults her. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Corden now has his own like – show on mm-hmm. uh, American television and he does like a talk show and has people sing in cars. I think yeah. it's his big thing. So I was kind of wondering there again, like why such a throwaway? All I can imagine is either he's friends with the director or mm-hmm. knew somebody and they just thought it'd be funny to have him play a role. I think anytime you have somebody just showing up in one quick 15 second scene, you know, that's a big name possibly uh, to like reel in American audiences. Cause no. he's a bigger name. Over well, here because now. they don't promote that he's in it. Nobody would know he's in this thing, True. you know? True. I mean, Dominic Cooper is actually in the film, according to IMDb. I don't know if you know who he is, but, uh, he's, he's, he's been a lot of movies. He's actually going to be starring in the new AMC, uh, adaptation of preacher. Hmm. Um, a graphic novel. He's series. the one that played the actor that the was in the play that mm-hmm. Alan Bennett was writing. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, but Dominic Cooper's also he's he was uh, he plays uh, Tony Stark's father in the Marvel movies, like when they have the flashbacks oh, yeah. back to him, okay. and he's been in that Agent Agent Carter TV series on ABC. I mean, he's a pretty hmm. well known actor now. He has a very very small like background part almost so right i just get the sense it was maybe hey we're out here shooting and you know some of these people why don't you call them in and see if they want to walk (laughs) in and say a line so yeah fair enough i thought the movie was fine uh i think you know what kind of movie this is pretty easily when you get into it yeah um it did have enough interesting creative elements to it to elevate it a little level for me to make it a more interesting experience than i expected uh, and the story is an interesting story. It is a story custom made for a film. I mean, right. when you hear the real life story, you're like, yep, that has to be a movie at some point. And I can so. see how, you know, this was a play first written by, you know, a very famous playwright. I can see how it would have worked as a play. I'm assuming in the play it had that whole him monologuing to himself, maybe. Yeah, that's what but I would I think imagine. Being able to use the magic of film and actually have him talk to himself is a. I thought it really worked well. So I I haven't seen the play, but I imagine I think I would like the film version better just because of yeah. that dynamic. Yeah. So. I'm with you completely. I think that that particular decision they made creatively within the film really elevated it for me as well. So, well, good. We're on the same page. You kind of surprised me. I expected you to really come <laughs> out of the film not enjoying it, but sounds like you pulled from it the same things I did that, that were worth being admirable about yeah. the film. So. Great. So that is The Lady in the Van starring Maggie Smith. Uh, we didn't even mention the director is Nicholas Heitner. Um, not not familiar, familiar with yeah. No, I looked at his filmography and I, I recognize a few of the films he's been involved in, but nothing nothing big names. So, so he has is, directed other things? This is pro- yes, he has, but this is probably his biggest, you know, as far as uh, awareness film anyway. Okay. Uh, well, you know what? He did The Crucible. Oh my gosh, he did The Crucible in 1996. Hmm. That was the one with Daniel Day-Lewis and Winona Ryder. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. I'm like now that I'm totally, looking it up. I've I totally t- blanked on that. I totally they... forgot that there was a adaptation of The Crucible with Daniel Day-Lewis and Nicholas and Heitner Winona was Ryder? Yeah. he was the director of it back in 1996. Did you ever see it? I did not. Okay. No. So it's so I guess he's kind of coming back a little bit. That's okay. interesting. All right. Lady in the Van, uh, limited release. I can't imagine it's playing in a lot of big theaters near you. And it will probably be, if it's not already on iTunes or Amazon to rent, it will be very, very soon, I would imagine. So, all right. So uh, let's move on to our second review, which is the uh, video game. No, I mean, movie, (laughs) Hardcore Harry. Is it Hardcore Henry or Harry? Henry. Henry. Hardcore Henry. Hello, Henry. Do you remember how you got here? This next part might hurt. Squeeze. (laughs) You and I were, we still are, husband and wife. I love you, Henry. Henry, 
They want your technology. How do I then you? you? Chris, I think it was, gosh, which movie was it? Oh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. That was the movie. I was by myself. I went to go see this movie um, and because I knew we were going to talk about it. And I was really curious to see it. I love trailers. So I always get there early to make sure I can see all the trailers. And almost all the time, I know the movies that the trailers are showing me. Like I've already read about them. I know everything about them. So if I'm seeing the trailers, like, oh, yes, I either get to finally see this trailer I've been wanting to see or – it's a trailer I've already seen online. I get to at least see it on the big screen. You and I differ in that respect. I know. Usually. You're not a big trailer guy. I still away. love the art form of the trailer. Sure. Now, I stopped watching them with Star Wars. I saw it the first time, and then I really did not want to watch it again unless I had to see it in a movie theater. But you have watched Rogue One? Oh, of course I have. Okay. Yeah. Well, because Rogue One is not in the, the Pantheon trilogy, so I feel like it's a little off. off. Anyway, side, sure. side conversation. Side, sidebar. That's true. So I'm watching, and all of a sudden, the little green screen of upcoming previews coming up, and then it starts into this movie. Honestly, for about the first 30 seconds of this trailer, I thought it was a joke. The whole thing's from first-person point of view, like a video game. I have two boys at home that worship on the ground video games that we're ever built on. <laughs> so I see, every time I walk by my den, whenever they have video game time, I'm seeing life through a first-person perspective anyway. So the whole movie, the whole conceit of this hardcore Henry is it is shot from the eyes of Henry, who is resurrected from death with no memory. And he has to discover his identity, save his wife from a warlord, not just a bad guy, a warlord, with a plan to bioengineer soldiers. All right. The, the, the trailer gave me a headache, and that was a minute and a half long trailer. I know that if I'm going to watch this movie at some point, I need to watch it in a very comfortable home situation where I will not get vertigo or sickness or anything else. You've seen the movie. Please tell me, is this the kind of film where it's all gimmick? Because I could very easily see it being a film where it's all about the gimmick. Or is there something more to Hardcore Henry to make it worth checking out? Huh. Well... This movie, yeah, like you say, you know, it's first person and it's a first person shooter because it is an action movie. I mean, the whole and starts, the whole movie is first person. Yes, and I mean, it doesn't break from that, which is kind of admirable. Okay, uh, and it is, you know, lots of action. It does have some downtime, but mm-hmm. in general, it's just you know nonstop action. Um, and you can tell that from the trailer; it's kind of going to be that craziness. But what it it did remind me, obviously, of a video game, but specifically when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I would go over to a friend's house and maybe they would have this new video game that I hadn't seen before. And they would start playing it and I'd be like, oh, cool. And I'd watch it for a little bit. But then after a while, it's kind of like, okay, this isn't really fun anymore because I'm not the one playing. Right. And you're watching, watching a video playing. game to me, so, you know, it kind of gets boring because you're like, no, I want to control the action. That's kind of, you know, the first half hour or so, this movie was cool. But then after that, I kind of thought the perspective device worth then. And it was like I was watching Henry playing a video game and I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> um, so it, it was an interesting device. It's admirable that they kept it up for the entire movie. It's not like they just used it for the first 30 minutes and then ditched it. Yeah. And, you know, there's some times where it would have been more convenient for them maybe to be able to switch a perspective and they stayed with it. So, you know, hats off for you doing that. I would say if you if you like action movies, this is probably one to see because – the action sequences are pretty impressive and um, seemingly it's all one take sometimes because, mm. you know, there are some breaks, but it's like it's seemingly like, there's a lot of one take. And for some of the jumping and some of the craziness that's going on, there's got to be some edits, but, there gotta be, but it's, it's, it's impressive. So was it real time? Like it, was it meant to be a hour and a half long or was it, or were there moments where it passed time? Uh, there are some moments that pass time, but in general, it's supposed to be like, a really, really crazy couple of hours in this guy's life. Okay. So it's not like it's days and days. No, I it's, see. Okay. He, the first scene is he kind of wakes up, or you wake up, because you yeah. feel like it's you waking up, and you wake up in like a laboratory, and then you're like, what the heck's going on? You get very little explanation. I mean, very little. Maybe mm. like you know, a couple of minutes, like a minute of explanation which is also kind of admirable that it throws you into this whole situation. Henry doesn't know what's going on. And you as the audience also don't really know what's going on. And a bad guy shows up in the first two minutes of the film and you're like, Whoa. And it seems like he has, you've missed out on a whole nother movie that you got to Hmm. know this bad guy in the warlord that you discussed. Mm -hmm. So I got to give him credit. 
it is interesting. If you had the least bit of interest in seeing, if you like action movies and you're interested, I would say go see it in the theater Mm -hmm. because I think seeing it on like a laptop screen or seeing it on your TV at home, not going to be as impressive as seeing it on a big screen and getting that whole like first person look, you know, it's basically like somebody strapped and it may be kind of the camera rig they use is like a GoPro. (laughs) It's like the whole movie shot with a GoPro and that's probably not what it was, but you know, overall I thought the, you know, it's kind of like the lady in the van. I didn't like the movie, but I do admire it for trying to be original. Okay. And also I will say, you know, listeners, a lot of it may depend on how you feel about Charlotte, Copley, I think mm-hmm. is how you'd say his name. Right. He's the guy that got his big start in um, District 9. District 9. And then he was in Elysium, and he was in Maleficent, and he was in something else. Yeah. But um, he was in the 18. <laughs> he was, yeah, which I never saw. Re- I never did either, but um, he was in the remake of the 18. But he is the big star in this movie, and he is in it a lot. Okay. And he plays multiple roles that at first you're like, what's going on? And then that is kind of explained to you as the film goes Mm. on. Okay. So I, so if you don't like him or you find him annoying, probably don't want to see this movie. So if you find Charlotte Copley annoying and you don't like watching video games, then this is, this is not the movie for you. But if you like action movies, okay. And you like, there's a real decision tree process going to go on here. If this, then this, if this, now I will say too, Something that I didn't expect, mm-hmm. which there were some moments that I thought were comic genius. Mm-hmm. That I wasn't expecting this to be funny at all. I was expecting just a nonstop action movie with a lot. And it is very hard R. Like even yeah. the opening credits are, even though they're, it's graphically done, you know, it's like CGI, very graphic, very mm-hmm. disturbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a very hard R, lots of blood splattering everywhere. Wow. But I did not expect there were some moments of genuine laughs and it wasn't played with violence laughs it was just kind of a side humor and it was it was really well done copley has this song and dance under my skin montage thing that he does at one point Mm -hmm. and he actually plays different characters and he does like a dance number that looks like it's out of a monty python meaning of life or something yeah Mm -hmm. like and i maybe inspired by that a little bit but it's it was Kind of cool. Okay. And it was actually at a point in the film where I was kind of done with the film. Yeah. And that kind of woke me back up. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. And to be able to carry that off, it was yeah, it was kind of interesting. And there's some other like like gags that come in with like wiping your feet on a doormat. <laughs> or um, despite all this like chaos going on, he goes into this person's place and Henry is asked to wipe his feet on the doormat. Because like what kind of savage is he that he's going to walk into yeah. this dude's house and not wipe his feet on a doormat. Like hmm, funny little asides like that. And there's, so there again, I, I got to give it a little credit. There's a point where, you know, he's been in cars, motorcycles, jumping on trains, all this kind of stuff. And then he gets this idea in his head that, oh, here's a horse. I'm now going to ride the horse to this next, like totally a video game, crazy, ludicrous type yeah. thing that I'm going to ride this horse to my next destination or whatever, my next cutscene, I guess, in a video game. Mm-hmm. And he sees the horse and the Bonanza theme starts playing. And like, you know, just for no hmm. apparent reason. And like stuff like that, random little bits of humor, yeah. those kind of really work for me. So I cannot throw this movie, cannot throw Hardcore Henry under the bus and let a bus run over it. And that'd be the end of the uh the So you say there's something there. There is something there. It's a shame to me that the brilliance couldn't have been taken to a slightly different level. You know, it could have yeah. just if elevated just a little bit from a better script because the, the, the plot is pretty loose. Like the, what you did when you said at the opening, like here's what's happening. And that's basically it. Yeah. Some things are revealed to you at the end that you kind of put some pieces together, but there's just not a lot there other mm-hmm. than action scenes, which get kind of tiring. Cause how many times can you see people get shot and blood go everywhere? For instance, you think about, I was a really big fan of Blair Witch. Yeah. And that was a very, it was one of the very first like found footage movies. And, but they had a specific story that they were also telling mm-hmm. that was really helped by that device. You know, they sure. were going camping. You couldn't see a lot of things. It was, it was a very clever story, but then also a really good storytelling device. Right. Okay. And this really good storytelling device, although you could get motion sick, but the plot wasn't as mm. didn't have it so, wasn't didn't have as many surprises. So if you could have taken the conceit and the style of it and added a better, richer plot and storyline to it, 
then you feel like there's there's something there. Right. I hmm. definitely. Well, that's that's really interesting. I mean, again, I, I I've I've kind of heard reviews all over the place. Some people just really not caring for it, and other people really loving it. And I wasn't sure where you were going to fall out. Well, and it's so. definitely something. You know, it, it's different. Yeah. You know, people that say, oh, you know, everything's all the same. Everything Hollywood turns out is all the same. You know. This is something that is refreshingly different. Now, whether mm. you care for it or not, different Yeah, question, another question. Very, very interesting. Okay, so that's Hardcore Henry. Henry. Not Hardcore Harry. Right. <laughs> Got to make sure I called the right name here. So, And that movie is out in theaters currently. Yes. Uh, not doing so hot box office-wise, so don't count on it being around too long. But, uh, you know, sounds like Chris is saying it may appeal to you. It may be in your wheelhouse and maybe something that you enjoy. But there are a lot of ifs and thens to to manage with that so all right so that is lady in the van and hardcore henry and what we're going to do is take a quick little break and when we come back we're going to hit some movie news and we're also going to cap off the episode with our recommendation so stay tuned this is foot candle films local authors illustrators and storytellers come together to create storytime station at the mesh Storytime Station is a video podcast that works as a virtual storybook. Each show features a new children's book and new reader. So gather the whole family to listen, learn, and laugh at Storytime Station on TheMesh.TV. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. Just a couple quick notes before we get back into our content uh, you are listening to this episode of Foot Candle Films on TheMesh.tv. The Mesh is a online podcast network free of charge. Every episode, every show at your download disposal. Uh, what we recommend is go to TheMesh.tv as a website. Uh, poke around a little bit, find some shows that you may have some interest in and find the nice little subscribe button on the page for that show. Because what that will allow you to do is every time we put out a new episode, it gets downloaded right to your device whenever you fire it up. So let's say you've got an iPhone. Let's say you go out and walk your dogs every morning and you do about for like 20 minutes or so. Perfect way to make sure if you subscribe to our podcast in the morning, you get up, open up your podcast app. Any new episodes that we've posted will be in that app ready for you to listen to. It's like, magic. It is magic. It really is. And you go, you pop in your headphones, you go walk your dogs and you can, groove to the sounds of these lovely voices that you're hearing right now on this show or any of the other hosts on the other shows that we have of differing topics. So that's the mesh.tv. We do encourage you to check that out. And although I think I'm sure we'll mention it probably before we close out the show, just as a quick reminder too, we do have a film festival going yes. on this September, our second film festival, the foot candle film festival. Uh, we had a great event last year, 25 films, over 1,200 tickets sold, I believe, in the weekend. Uh, it was a great weekend here in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, we had many filmmakers come travel from around the country to come uh, visit us here in this area. A great interaction with our, our, our members and our guests. So we just had a good time. We're going to do it again in September. We're doing the sequel. The sequel. And, and trust me, the sequels are tough. I totally get <laughs> why film directors have a hard time with sequels because you want to match the first. You don't want to let it down. But you also feel this need to do more and more. Well, we're not going a lot bigger for the second year of the festival. It's still going to be a, a good long weekend worth of films uh, here at the Salt Block Auditorium in Hickory, North Carolina. If you're interested, go to footkindle.org and follow the link to the festival or go straight to the festival website, which is footcandlefilmfestival.com. So, Chris, we've got a, a few movie news items Thought we'd okay. kick around a little bit. Some you may or may not have heard, and we'll just kind of see some reactions to some of the news. Uh, so there's a film that is uh, a, a trailer was just released, and I haven't had a chance to finish watching it yet. I know it's only a minute and a half, but that's how <laughs> busy my life has been. I've been able to watch part of a trailer. You're watching it in like five seconds. Yeah, increments. exactly. Whenever I have a little break, I watch 10 seconds of the trailer, then Fair I stop enough. and wait a few hours and watch it again. The next part. Um so we have reviewed one of this guy's films, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. Yeah, man. Uh, only, no, 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 no. Only God forgives. Only God forgives. Yeah. We did not review Drive, if I remember correctly, although you and I have both seen Drive. Right, and we didn't, Bronson came out way before that, so we didn't do that either. Is it Bronson or Pusher? 
It was Pusher, Valhalla Rising. Well, he's done. Did Ruffin, he do Bronson I'm also? I'm pretty sure Ruffin did Bronson. Really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe so. not, but I think so. No, you may be right. It's definitely his style of film if he didn't do it. Huh. I'll have to check but, that out and see. Okay. But um, Drive with uh, both Drive and Only God, God Forgives with um, Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So a trailer has come out for his newest film. See, this is one. I trust this director because he seems to be. He's like a really violent version of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's not going to ruin a movie. And mm-hmm. he's, he's like, I think he has a lot of creative control over like trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he's going to show you anything in the trailer that's going to ruin the movie. I, I had, didn't know that trailer was out. I, I want to I see it. I do want to see it. Well, the film is called The Neon Demon. Okay. And it is a straight out horror film. That's and it takes place in like LA or somewhere or? Uh, I believe so it is okay. L, L Fanning okay. stars in the film uh, L Fanning you got Christina Hedricks you got Jenna Malone and Keanu Reeves is also in the film um, no Ryan Gosling so he did not pull a three-peat and get Mr. Gosling in for a third film in a row interesting um, but yeah I, you know watching the trailer it's it's an unnerving trailer it looks like it could have the it, it looks like a very art house horror film Okay. Like vampire centric? No, not that I can tell. And again, I'm only partially through the trailer. So <laughs> when I can schedule more time to finish right. watching the trailer, I certainly will. Fair enough. Um, here's what I think is probably the most interesting about this okay. is the way it's being distributed. It is an Amazon Studios film. Just like uh, Chirac was. Yeah. Right. So this will be coming to Amazon in June. So hmm. here in two months. The Neon Demon by Nicholas Wunding Refn will be available through Amazon, and that's how it's being distributed. Now, whether it's going to theaters, I don't know. You know, Netflix has kind of done a thing where uh, Beast of Beast of No Nation it actually did push out to theaters because it wanted some awards contention right. with this. I don't get the sense this one is worried about awards contention necessarily, so they may just be going straight to Amazon, and that's where you can get the film and see it. But just. That was interesting for me is to is see the whole a thing film. Where Amazon Prime members get it for free or do they still pay for it? I don't know. You know that I, mean? I don't know. But I just think it's interesting. You've got a film with some, some pretty big names, especially mm-hmm. Elle Fanning, who's a real up and coming young, act, young actress. You've got a director that's a very, very interesting visual director. And they're going through Amazon for the distribution of this film. So uh, hmm. that is The Neon Demon coming out in June. The trailer is out. And I do encourage you to look at it because it is a visually arresting trailer as you would imagine, but it does seem to be more of a, in the horror vein than, than his other films have been. Let me mention something too. I don't think I recommended it on the show. Maybe I've mentioned it. I can't remember, but I want to mention it now because we're talking about Nicholas Winding Refn and Mr. Gosling, a really interesting documentary to watch. And I, it's on Netflix. It may also be on iTunes, but it was on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's still on there. It's called my life with Nicholas Winding Refn. Okay. And his wife basically documented the shooting of Only God Forgives. Hmm. And it is really interesting. Is it better than the movie? <laughs> because you and I were both kind of down on Only God Forgives, I think. True. We found elements of it we thought were interesting, but overall it was very slow plotting and just didn't work. The, yeah, the documentary makes me respect that movie more. It makes okay. me really like Nicholas Winding Refn. Um, basically because you felt like you lived with his family Yeah, <laughs> because right. his wife is very nice. He has young kids. What he did, it kind of lets a window into your world. What some directors do, what he did to make that movie is he uprooted his family and moved them to Thailand. Hmm. They lived in an apartment during the entire time, like pre, right. like pre shooting the shooting. And then after like post-production, and it was kind of grueling. And it even shows like when the movie premieres and some of the press that happens mm. and bad reviews and like she documents all of it and wow. kind of his response. He gets really depressed. All this. Sure. It's interesting. No, I definitely want to um, check that out. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm curious. And that's why, yeah, after I seeing Only God Forgives, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But then I saw that documentary kind of made me appreciate the film more and made me excited for the neon demon, the neon name. demon. So I'm, I am looking forward to that. I'll well, to it's going to be playing can again. Hmm. So that's what only God forgives did a couple of years ago. And, and it got that was, booed. and like, that was documented. Yeah, in that was the, in the film. Okay. That was documented. In the well, he's going back thing. to cans with this. Okay. So, uh, so it is getting the film festival circuit as well as going through Amazon. And again, I know it's Amazon studios. And what I'm seeing is that it will be available 
Amazon will be premiering it in June. How it's going to be distributed exactly? Do you have to be a Prime member? Mm-hmm. What do you do? I don't know, but that's an interesting distribution strategy for it. Definitely. Yeah, so the Neon Demon, we're checking out the trailer for that Okay. on that end. Well, let me ask you something. Yes. Since we're talking about trailers, and we've discussed this movie, but uh, Suicide Squad. Yes. Doesn't come out until August. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd seen the first trailer, and then I think a little bit of worry from some of the Batman, Superman stuff before that movie had come out too, just kind of made me like, I think any comic book movie that comes out this year is going to be garbage. Batman versus Superman was not garbage, but it wasn't, it wasn't know, awesome because I love Batman. He's yeah. like my favorite comic book character. Sure. So Suicide Squad, first trailer is like, eh, I will say something about the second trailer, which I did see. Um, well, there's I been like, three trailers. Okay, now I don't know. Did you see the one with the Bohemian Rhapsody? Yes. Okay, that's the second trailer. Okay, then maybe I didn't even The third see trailer it. is uh, Ballroom Blitz. Ballroom Blitz, which, there again, nerd in me, thought it was cool that, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody is used in Wayne's World. Ballroom Blitz is also used, used in, in Wayne's World. World. I know. So kind of funny that they're referencing. Yeah. It's like they're self-referential even just within a trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't, and the increased, like, playfulness yet it's obviously i would think going to be r i don't know maybe it's going to be pg-13 i don't think it's going to be r really? i think they're going pg-13 with it yeah. okay but well I, I you think, know I, I think there's a lot of business at play right now oh yeah i think the biggest argument that they had against that fans had against batman versus superman was that it was dark and depressing mm-hmm. and that the characters were not fun right so I think the people finishing the marketing for Suicide Squad are saying, okay, well, we need to amp up the fun in the trailers. <laughs> and that's what they're the doing is they're making it more lively and the characters seem to have more personality and all that. Now, granted, whether that's actually in the film or we're just seeing those cobbled together pieces for the trailer to try to give us that impression, we'll see. Right. Um, I, I'm curious. Again, I, I have no interest in any of the characters. I'm not a DC guy. Oh, I love Batman. But outside of Batman and his little circle and world, I really don't care about anybody else in that universe. So Suicide Squad was like, I don't really know any of these people. I don't know any of these bad guys. Um, Harley Quinn, I know of, but she was also a little after my time. She didn't premiere until the animated series, the Batman animated series. That's where she actually got her start. And then they rolled her into the comics and all that later. So I never really was that knowledge of her as a, as a character. See, I'm you know, big Batman fan. Equal as much Joker fan. Right. Sure. No, I mean, I say, when I say Batman fan, I'm thinking the Batman family universe characters I'm all about. I love it. But really, that's the only DC character I've cared about. Now, it does look like Suicide Squad does have a little more Batman and Joker than I expected it to have. The from second, what I've seen so the second far. trailer would make you well, think Well, the third that. trailer even. Or the even third, I'm sorry. The, yeah, the, the Ballroom Blitz trailer yes. is like you see Joker in half the trailer at the end. Right. And then Batman does seem to have some key scenes in there as well. So I am more interested now because I really did like the Ben Affleck Batman. And I'm really curious to see uh, the Joker iteration we've got here. So if it wasn't for Batman and Joker being in the film, I have no interest. Batman okay. and Joker in it, I have fair interest now. See, Batman, even though I liked Affleck, I thought he was fine. I don't really care about him being in Suicide Squad at all mm-hmm. because I kind of like the the concept of this is all bad guys. Yeah. And I think he is, Affleck is, or Batman is in it really, there is like really small. Yeah. He's not in a lot of it. But if the Joker wasn't in Suicide Squad, I would kind of probably not care about yeah. it at all. Yeah. But the fact that the Joker's in it, and Harley Quinn, who I kind of associate the two of those together because sure. they're like, you know, compatriots or whatever. If those two weren't in it, if it was just a bunch of random unknown bad guys that they had this concept with, mm-hmm. probably wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I am actually, I'm kind of excited about it now. Well, good. I have good. drank the Kool-Aid. I am excited about All right. Suicide Squad. Now. Well, we'll see what happens with that. So, <laughs> uh, to speak of something else that I know we get excited about and talking about Star Wars news, um, ah. you know, of course we've kind of gone through our little peak season of Star Wars. We had the new movie out in December, which we talked about on the show and gave our mm-hmm. review of, which we both really enjoyed. We uh, we're not really talking about Rogue One, the new the, the latest spinoff movie that's coming out. That's going to be coming out later this year. A trailer came out a week or so ago, and it's, it's a good trailer. Um, looks fun. Looks like it's going to be play right into the right universe. Okay. But we've got Gareth Edwards as the director. Godzilla did, man. Uh, Godzilla, and he did that Monsters, which right. I thought was a pretty interesting film. So they're working on the whole spinoff 
one-off movies out of this universe. Everybody's trying to do a shared universe now. You got the Marvel shared universe. You got the DC universe. You even got a Harry Potter universe now with the new uh, uh, Beast, uh, Magical Beast. Um, and where to find them. Yeah. yeah. So it's like every franchise has got a universe of films around it. Well, Star Wars is no exception. They're like, hey, we could do the, keep doing the episodes, but we got like two or three years in between each one. Let's fill it in with something else. So we do have a Han Solo solo movie. Ah, uh, see, see what, what you did, did there? there. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, you and I talked about potential actors for yeah, this. Yeah, I think I gave you a long yeah. roster. And it's like, Two or okay, three episodes Alan, ago. Yeah. You gave me the roster, and I told you who I would love to see be Han Solo. Right. And that was Alden Enric, who played um, Hobie Doyle in Hell Caesar. Right. Lo and behold, see across the news, 26-year-old Alden Enric who played budding movie star Hobie Doyle in the Coen Brothers' Hell Caesar, is now the frontrunner to play the lead in Lucasfilm's untitled young Han Solo movie. I'm very happy if that happens. So I, I could not be happier. I saw that same news like a day or so ago, and yeah. I'd, I've actually went back after our review. I went back and rewatched Hail Caesar mm-hmm. and still liked it and definitely submitted my impression of Mr. Uh, Aaron Reich like, he is the best thing about that movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, like we talked about after viewing, we couldn't wait to see what he did next. I think he would be so awesome. I think so Han too. Solo. And, I, and I have to keep reminding myself, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are the guys directing this movie, which they did the Lego movie. They did the 21 Jump Street or 22 and 22 Jump Street movies. Right. They're doing the new adaptation of the Flash movie for DC. I mean, they're kind of the, the hot commodity for action, but with a real fun tone and just good humor and everything. That's kind of what they're getting known for right now. Hmm. So um, that kind of makes it a little interesting too. take a good couple of guys who seem to know how to make a good action movie with a lot of comedy involved, which I think a Han Solo movie, it's going to have to be light. It's going to have to be fun. It can't be heavy and depressing. Right. (laughs) Sounds fun. I mean, this could be really good. Combination of him um, oh, and, and you got the, Lawrence direct, the directors of the Lego movie to make a Han Solo movie with this dude. And you got That's the screenwriter, really Lawrence Kasdan, oh. who did Empire Strikes, Strikes Back, Back, The Force Awakens, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. How old is that dude now? I don't know, but I don't care. He wrote The Force <laughs> Awakens, which I thought was good. He wrote Empire Strikes Back, which is screenplay-wise is awesome. So even if all he's writing for this screenplay is like the end, we're, yeah, we're on board. Still something, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you got no. all the right pieces together to make this a fun movie. So yeah, that's, very much looking forward to so it. So that'll be coming out in 2000. Yeah, I don't know. I don't okay. know the time period. I know Rogue One's this year. Right. We're going to have episode eight in 2017, December. Is it every other year for the episodes? I think so. And then there'll be a 2018 So it'll film. probably be this 2018. I think this is going to be 2018. Okay. They're talking about an Obi-Wan film, but I don't think they're anywhere close to doing anything with that yet. So I think it's going to be Rogue One, Episode 8, and then Han Solo, Solo movie. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. It is. So that's some quick movie news there. We got Nicholas Winn-Refn. We've got uh, Suicide Squad. We've got uh, Han Solo, Solo movie. Anything else on the horizon here? I'm going to throw out a, not a conspiracy theory, but just a pondering theory. Okay. Okay. J.J. Abrams, we know, did Force Awakens. Yes. He got kind of his big start with uh, the spy thing that you liked. Alias. Alias. Oh, yeah. But then he also did Lost, which is what I was Mm -hmm. a huge fan of. And kind of the hallmark of that series was kind of jumping all around in time. I have voiced on my show, this show, about how I'm concerned, much like I have gotten way burned out on all the Marvel movies. Not so much on the DC movies yet, but I know they're kind of you know gearing up their machine, so I have an idea I'm going to get burned out on those. That I was concerned that the Star Wars franchise, I was going to get burned out on those. Okay. Because you know part of our childhood was they didn't have that many, and then they were three and done. And yeah. then they did this, you know, the, the prequels, but they were still three. And they were about gone. three years apart and there was nothing in between. And so it's like they were really spaced out. But now that there's basically going to be one every other year, I was worried that I was going to get burned out. However, I have to say, and I don't know, in my mind, I want to actually try to give J.J. Abrams credit for mm-hmm. it because I kind of like him anyway. Or at least his writing, not always his directing, but his writing and kind of what he usually does. If it was maybe his idea to say, tell you what. 
why don't we it's like because basically you're jumping back and forth in time because the Star Wars movies that are in the same storyline, they keep moving forward. Sure. But these other ones are jumping all around. Like we have Rogue One. We're going to have Han Solo. Like they keep jumping back and forth in time. And sure. I wonder if that will help keep everything fresh. As opposed to See, if you were to finish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, no. I, I, I completely agree. If they, if they somehow accelerated and had episodes seven, eight, nine, one together. after another, yeah. one year to, uh, apart. Like, I think they did the Harry Potter movies like that. Weren't they every year, every Pretty two years? Pretty much every, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think they could have risked burning out a little bit or just kind of people being a little pop passe about it by the time the last one came around. Right. By separating them out two years, you build just enough enthusiasm. And I was actually talking to somebody about this too, that I think, I think a little bit of the strategy is, okay, we have Rogue One coming out this December. Right. Let's say Rogue One is not very good. Let's just say it's not a very good movie. <laughs> With it coming out in December, by December, they're going to be starting the early teasers and talking about episode eight. Absolutely. So it's like, okay, we can kind of hedge our bets. Even if Rogue One, for whatever reason, it's just not as great. It's not like people are going to be down on Star Wars. It's like they know that this is a one-off movie right. with a different director, a different storyline and all. Oh, and by the way, before you see Rogue One, here's a teaser for episode eight. So don't forget, we got episode <laughs> eight coming out in 12 months. Right. So I think they've kind of got it together. They know what they're trying to do. I mean, the episodes are the bread and butter. Sure. These spinoffs are going to be hit or miss. Some could be good. Some could be bad. But as long as they kind of have them all laid out in the sequence, they don't have to worry too much about one bad movie bringing down the franchise or burning people out quickly, I think. Because so. of all the franchises that are out there, that obviously I'm kind of done with Avengers or Marvel. I'm done with that whole storyline mm. or done with that whole thing. DC, I kind of don't care either, really. Um, I will say Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I mentioned just because I know nothing about but. In general, yeah. I'm just kind of done with that stuff. But Star Wars, I think, well, um, fingers are crossed that I'm going to be I'm able still, to continue to be I'm still on excited. the Marvel bandwagon mainly because I, I think Civil War looks very, very interesting, Captain America movie. Uh, they came out with the trailer for Doctor Strange starring Benedict Cumberbatch. which The Batch. The Batch. I'm excited about. Uh, the new Civil War trailer has, shows the first glimpse of the new Spider-Man, which I'm... Dumb. Dumb. Uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> agree to disagree. Um, so, you know, I, I'm happy with where they're going right now. So we'll see. I'm not burnt out yet. Not burnt out yet. Now, DC, DC is not connected with me at all. I just, the, the films are too dark. The Nolan films didn't connect with you? Well, the first two Nolan films did. Okay. But I never saw them as part of a DC universe. I never I saw it as universe building. Like they're doing with all these other movies now. Sure. I saw them as their own little island, and they were great. The third one wore me out, but the first two were really good. Okay. Uh, I mean, Batman Begins is still one of my top 15 films of all time. Wow. Um, okay. But um, the Marvel as a complete package, if you were to put all the films together, they're good. I mean, I don't think any of them are really bad movies. I mean, there's a couple that are not great movies, but anyway. It's still working for me. Yes. Are they in danger of burning out in the next year or two? Absolutely. All it takes is one couple of back-to-back less than stellar films, and you start really seeing yourself go down the path on that. So. See, you mentioned Civil War. The Captain America films that have happened so far, this will be like the third. Yep. They have been the ones that I have liked the best okay. out of the whole Marvel thingy. Yes. Agreed. But this, to me, looks like nothing more than an Avengers movie. Well... And that to me, and I don't, have not liked no. either of the Avenger movies. Save save opinions for watching the whole film. True. You know, that's the thing. I mean, the trailer does look like, wow, there's a lot going on. I, I kind of trust that they'll be able to sort it out and make it a good, fun experience. I hope so anyway. Right. So. Okay. What do you say we move on to our recommendations? Does that sound good to you? Yes. Sure. Okay. So there's recommendations. This is a film that we've recently caught up with or were reminded of, or just think we, we think you ought to check out now. Uh, I've been finding myself cheating a little bit these last few months, Chris, on Uh-oh. our episodes. You know, we, we started out the recommendations really with the idea of something that you could go home right as you listen to this episode and pull up iTunes, pull up Netflix, pull up Amazon or something and find this movie. Right. I don't think you can find my movie quite yet. Hmm. Although it should be soon. Okay. Um, but I've been talking a lot lately. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead sure. with your recommendation? Well, my movie you can find in uh, iTunes for sure. Okay. Maybe other places, but it's definitely available in uh, iTunes because that's how I watched it. Uh, it is the 2011 movie Attack the Block. 
otherwise known oh, as yeah. Boyega Begins. It's uh, John <laughs> nice. Boyega's first movie. He's yep. the guy who plays Finn in uh, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I was curious because I'd heard about this movie, and I knew that it also had um, Nick Frost in it. Yes. And it wasn't directed by, who's the guy who usually does all the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movies? And, uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. It wasn't an Edgar Wright film, but yep. it kind of had some of the markings of like an Edgar Wright film. Sure. The guy who did like Shaun of the Dead and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was interested in it, but then it kind of, I don't even know if it came to a, th- a theater near us. It just kind of came and went, or I yeah. didn't really hear a lot about it. But when I heard that it was John Boyega's first movie, I was like, all right, I want to check this thing out. Mm-hmm. It's an action comedy, sci-fi, uh, not a real, it's obviously very low budget because the creatures in it are low budget. Sure. <laughs> but they kind of yeah. take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's The premise is a ting teen gang in South London has to defend their like big apartment complex or their block from an alien invasion. Right. And it takes place, I think on new year's and it's all in the course of like one night. Mm-hmm. You know, I really liked it. It is low budget. There's not a whole lot of plot to it, Sure, but the characters specifically John Boyega, he plays kind of a gang leader mm-hmm. and what you're able to see him do in the movie, you're like, yeah, this this kid's good. Okay, he's got so some, he's got some acting talent. So it wasn't just J.J. Abrams sprinkling some great magic acting no, no. dust on on no, John no, Boyega. No. He was really he's good beforehand. So. Absolutely, and if anything, watching this movie made me even more excited for the development of Finn in the Star Wars universe yeah. because the kids. Capable. Awesome. That's really <laughs> so, good. I mean, not that I've he, always was, wanted he to check. was good yeah. in Force Awakens, but yeah. I kind of didn't have a sense of him. After watching this movie, I'm like, wow, I can't wait to see this. That movie. movie's been on my on my list to see and uh, because I'd, I'd heard a lot of good things about it. So very check cool. It I typed the block. And it's block. on. It is on iTunes. iTunes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. All right. So my, my uh, and I've already talked to you about this a little bit, Chris. So you, okay. know, you know my feelings about this already. And I don't know when it comes out available. It may be pretty soon, but it's a documentary that I we caught up with. I caught up with at recent film festival attended because we didn't really do a recap of anything we did from film festival viewings recently. That's true. We just went to yeah. River Run Film Festival, and I only saw two films there. I had to shorten my time there, but one of them was a documentary called Weiner, and it's about Anthony Weiner. So get your mind out of the gutter. It's not about anything else. <laughs> uh, it's a and. and, and I'm bringing this as a recommendation. I know you probably can't go online and see it right now, but if you have any passing interest in political campaign history, uh, the, the the political campaign process at all, people running for a politi- uh, public office, this documentary is pretty crazy to watch. Um, those of you not familiar with the story, so Anthony Weiner was a congressman. Uh, served in Congress for several years, representing New York. He became very well respected because of his his firebrand, just looking out for the the the, the middle class and the, the lower class people in his. And he community. was kind of known for not holding back. Too, oh yeah, right? yeah. The, the film starts with him being getting all these accolades for just being on the on the Congress floor, just railing against guys trying to cut off veteran benefits from nine eleven or just okay. other things. He's just very much a champion for the people is how he's being pitched. And then later in his congressional life, it came out that he had taken some photographs and shared them with some females of his... Not his wife. Not his wife, right. Um, uh, swapping photographs okay. with others of different various body parts, which can be alluded to in the title of the film. And uh, obviously he resigned due to that. So he laid low a couple years. When does this documentary start? After the pictures have already happened? This or? documentary starts as he decides he's going to start running for mayor of New York. He's laid low for a couple of years. So this is after the big controversy. Yes. Okay. He decides he's going to start running for mayor. Now, at that point, I think, is when they decided to start filming this documentary. Oh, let's, let's kind of make a document of this guy who was publicly disgraced, nationally disgraced congressman. He's laid low for a while, but now he wants to get back into a public circle and he wants to be mayor of New York. Let's follow him as he tries to build himself back up to become mayor of New York. And if he wins the mayor, that's a great story. That's a great documentary. It doesn't go quite that way. If anybody's followed news in the last couple of years, you know that he did not become mayor. Bill de Blasio did. Uh, I think Wiener only got like three or 4% of the total vote. Uh, And this documentary is covering that whole process. Because he gets hit with a continuation of his scandal about 
three or four weeks before election day. Got you. And watching his reaction, watching his wife, Huma, who is Hillary Clinton's right-hand person, okay. um, very well-respected in the political circles and known to be part of the reason why Hillary Clinton is as successful as she is in politics, to see that dynamic between their marriage, between Anthony and his campaign staff as things start crumbling. Hmm. There's no veils on this. I mean, this documentary so like is right stuff. there. Truth is stranger than fiction. You couldn't make a movie with all these plot points that, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. You'd say, oh, that's just ridiculous. But this documentary yep. sounds really It really, from a documentary standpoint, it's really, it's what a documentary should be. Right. It's unflinching. There's no, uh, there's, the, the, the filmmaker is not putting his personal preferences and opinions in the film. It's just... Here's a guy a who went through a big political scandal. Now he's going to run for mayor. Let's see what happens. And that's what, <laughs> and, that's what the film is. Okay. Uh, to the point where at the end of the film, honestly, one of the last lines of dialogue is that you hear the documentarian. One of the only times you hear him in the whole film behind the camera saying, why are you letting us film this again? <laughs> and Anthony Weiner just has this exhausted look on his face like, I don't know. Hmm. And that's. That's the film in the nutshells. You, okay. you ask yourself, why are you filming this? And it's just, it's a fascinating documentary. So I really enjoyed it. Again, I apologize that it's not something I think you can go on iTunes right when you hear this, unless you're listening to this episode many months after we recorded it. I hope it comes out soon um, because I think if you were at all interested in, in really guerrilla style documentary, documentary filmmaking and the political process at all, especially now, with what's going on in our country politically and all the yeah. intrigue around the campaign. This is just a really fun documentary to watch. So, cool. Yeah. All right. So that's our picks and recommendations. We recommend you do check them out. That's Attack the Block and Wiener as the two films we are recommending on this episode. So as a recap, we basically said Lady in the Van, better than expected. <laughs> uh, we said that Hardcore Henry, Chris said anyway, uh, interesting concept. Well done sticking to the concept, just a little weak in the story sure. category. So hard, hard to recommend the film because of that. Um, and then we talked about some movie news. We talked about Han Solo. We talked about uh, the Neon Demon. We talked about uh, lots of other stuff. Talked about uh, some superhero stuff as well. So yeah. lots of lots of things all over the place. Uh, just as a reminder, if you like the show or you have questions or you just want to comment or give us some feedback – Chris, tell the tell the nice people what they can do to try to reach us. Nice people. You can send us an email at info at the mesh TV and let us know what you like, don't like about the show, a movie you want us to review, or an opinion that we had that was completely off base. Uh, just write an email to that and let us know. As Alan mentioned earlier, you can find an archive of our shows on iTunes. Just search for Foot Candle Films, and you'll see we have tons of episodes. We've been doing this for a while now. Yes, we have. Uh, and I'm yawning when I said that. I really was not intentional. <laughs> I just honestly just yawned as we said, yeah, we've been doing this for, for a really a long, long time. time. Mm -hmm. um, but you can check out our sh even more of our shows on there. You can also give us a star rating, which helps more people eventually find our show on iTunes or write a review of us. That would be That would be grand. And also, there's also uh, the Mesh.TV network, which is where our show is available, but tons of other shows. There's new shows. There's Chick Chat for the ladies out there. If you're tired of hearing two guys talk about film all the time, there's Chick Chat for the ladies. Lots of different stuff on there. There's business podcasts. Give it, give it a look. Yeah, so good stuff out there. And again, if you plan to be or want to be in the Hickory slash Western North Carolina area, the last weekend of September is the September 23rd through the 25th. Yes. Is our next foot candle film festival. Tickets will be going on sale to the general public, maybe end of July, 1st of August, yes. somewhere in that time frame. So we will definitely let everybody know through our website and through this podcast, when those tickets are on sale for the general public foot candle members will have an early crack at getting tickets a few weeks in advance. If you happen to be a, filmmaker listening to this podcast and you think, Hey, I'd like to be in that festival. I like festivals. <laughs> <laughs> I like film. I'll submit my festival yeah. film to the festival. I go to uh, footcandlefilmfestival.com and there's a link there that you can submit your film. Just, you want to do the cutoff is in June. So yeah. you want to do get it. Get a between, move on people. Yeah. Get a move on. Hopefully you're like finishing up your film, but yeah. uh, Submit it. We would love to, to review it. Uh, you know, we have a, a committee of people that would actually be watching all the submissions and we're going to pick the best 20 some films that we can cram into a weekend 
And as far as what the committee says, is a good mix of films for us to show. Right. And uh, we have to turn away a lot of good movies. I think we had almost 200 submissions last year. Yeah. So that yeah. means 175 films didn't get selected. Right. But there were a lot of really good films in those 175. So it's uh, uh, we definitely encourage you to please send in your film, and we'd love to give you some feedback on that. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, that is our episode of Foot Candle Films for today. And we'll look forward to talking to you in the coming weeks as we put out new episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.